0: Welcome to general depravity. You tell them I'm coming and hell's coming with me, you hear? Hell's coming
1: with me! Yeah, well, I've decided I'm going to start introducing people, because I don't do that, which probably would help. So, uh, or, well, actually, I'm going to let you introduce yourself.
0: Alright, do you want to do a brief introduction, and then I'll...
1: Alright, uh, yeah, you're a man from Cincinnati, and I'm the, you know, podcast proprietor person. (laughs) I've never stated my name. Never? No.
0: Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, then I guess I mean my name's all over your freaking your page. So, I'm, hi, I'm Seb, and I'm from Cincinnati, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> allegedly.
1: Now you have an interesting perspective being from there regarding this issue that's going on.
0: Yeah, and uh, I in in what you know, I I, I think before directly talking about what's going on because it's, you know, people have seen some of the video and it's pretty messed up, um, just from a, you know, human contact type of thing, but, uh, or say being a human type of thing, but, uh, uh, pretty much where I want to start with that is 14 years ago. Um, because there were race riots in 2001 in Cincinnati, and they pretty much were immediately forgotten by the rest of the country.
1: Did it happen it, before uh, 9-11? Is that
0: why? <laughs> pretty much, yeah.
1: Yeah, actually, I mean, that's a, you have a very good point.
0: Uh, cause I think they happened in May that year, cause I was in like, I was really young. And how um, big was this? What?
1: How big was it in scope? The Scope?
0: Oh, it was, it was pretty, the riots themselves, um, they, it lasted like about, I think 12 or 13 hours. Uh, but the city was pretty much under martial law for three or four days.
1: And you got to experience this firsthand?
0: Not the, not, I'll, I'll put it uh, just to be, you know, not to act like I lived through a riot or anything like that, but, uh, pretty much, um, what was going on, I, we, my, my family, uh, we'd gone to visit one of my grandparents and they lived out of town. And we're sitting there, we're watching the, uh, news and it was like right before we were about to leave to go back home in the evening. Yeah. And they're like, oh yeah, by the way, in the middle of the day, um, you know, they were, they were, Alright, so I, I think the smartest way to talk about this is just to set the scene of what happened. Um, uh, there, pretty much there was a criminal who had a lengthy arrest record of like, m- like minor misdemeanor type of stuff, like, but you know, just was a never do well, I guess you'd say. Yeah. Um, and, uh, basically what, what, It came down to was this cop chased him on foot, uh, all throughout a really bad neighborhood for a very long time. And after a while, it, it would appear the cop just got sick and tired of chasing him and just shot him in the back. Um... Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, that's, that's the blunt, that's the blunt way of talking about it. It was a young, a younger at the time inexperienced, somewhat inexperienced cop. Um, but like the foot, like I said, the foot chase was lengthy.
1: And he's just out after that.
0: Yeah. And so, um, you know, he shoots and kills the guy. Uh, they start, uh, there, I, um, I would, I would have to Google it real quick, but, Basically, um, as I remember it, uh, I, I can't remember if it was that he didn't get indicted for the crime, for, for murder, or if, uh, it was, okay. So the protesters, basically, people were outside the courthouse, um, you know, um, they, they were trying to fit, like, basically, do a protest to put pressure on police investigators to, and uh, city council. Yeah. Um, to kind of indict, I guess, indict this guy or, or, and whatnot. Um, and then it came out that he was not going to be,
1: um, prosecuted in any, in any way.
0: Right, and so this was on April the ninth. So I knew it was in the spring. That's all I remember. Um, so th- there was a riot on the ninth during the middle of the days when it started, and so I was out of town, and we were watching, like we watched this on TV, because yeah, so, we yeah. were going to come back that night. That that's what I remember about it, and and all it said was like it was you know there was a curfew. Uh, they put a sundown curfew, um, which meant if you were out on the city streets after sundown, you would be arrested, period.
1: And you're still in the blast radius of all this, despite being out of town, right?
0: No, no, yeah. So I was like three hours away at this point. But the point, and then so we ended up having to wake up really early the next morning just to be 100% positive that we would make it back home, you know. So, but what I'm reading here now is that on the 9th, 10th and 11th, there was, um, rioting and looting and all kinds of stuff. Uh, and then on the 13th, there was, that's when they really put the citywide curfew from 8 PM to 6 AM, uh, for anybody. Uh, so actually, I mean, they, they had, I, I remember it being much longer than that. Um,
1: yeah, and I mean, what was it I like mean, to I see that. It being, Like, I'm sorry. Was it uh what did you experience firsthand? I mean, I'm sure they weren't stormtroopers like they are now.
0: Yeah, no. Um well, okay. So so th- this is where my my experience is more in the culture growing up in the aftermath of this. Uh so to explain where I live or where I was growing up, um lived it, One foot off the edge of our property is Cincinnati. So I live technically just outside of Cincinnati, but I, you know, for all intents and purposes, I live there. Um, and, uh, what basically, I mean, at the time, um, so pretty much it looks like they were, they, they shut down the city, but pretty much if you were white, suburbanite you did not want to be anywhere cuz they like they, they were doing shit like pulling people out of cars um i had friends whose family uh, businesses were downtown like i one of my friends uh family owns a gun store or owned a gun store in downtown cincinnati and the guy and his wife lived in a like a, a big old apartment above the gun store and he basically had to camp out with an ak47 or, you know, some sort of assault rifle behind the window of his, uh, gun store because people were trying to break in for five days.
1: <laughs> and so what, so were there casualties as a result of this?
0: Yeah. I mean, there were, there were a lot of injuries. I think, I don't know if there were deaths. I think there were people shooting at one another. Like it, it became, it, it became a free for all. Let's just put it that way. Um, But where, where I'm coming from is that we, at the time, at the time we had not really lived in Cincinnati for very long. And like, so I lived in Virginia and, uh, what, like I had a pretty integrated, I should say, like group of friends and even in, even here I did. And, and the only reason why I mention this is like, it's not that it's not a like, uh, uh, like, you know, everybody does, you know, wants to say like, oh, I don't even like see color and stuff like that,
1: you know, type of deal.
0: I want to say that prior to this, it was never anything that I like ever put much thought into. In a, in turn, like positive, negatively, that it, that it was a massive issue, they anything like that.
1: But what's um, the profile of, uh, Cincinnati? Like if you had to put it on a pie chart.
0: Oh, in terms of like racial makeup of the city? Yeah. It's a, or so Cincinnati is a very weird town because you can literally have some of the richest areas of town completely surrounded by the poorest. And geographically, it, it doesn't, it, it doesn't matter. Um, so what you have, or you have, like, what I would say are massive enclaves of, like, white or black people in, in, with the other groups, like, dot, like, you know, sprinkled throughout, not, not much diversity.
1: By, like, uh, like one street here, one street there?
0: Uh, in some places, very much like that. Um,
1: like the tiles of a pizzeria, like black and white, like that. Like yeah. Everyone has their <laughs> Pre- little I mean, subsection.
0: Pretty, pretty, yeah, in some sections. And so, like, where, where these riots happened, and then this is where, this is one of those things where, where, um, it, like, I, the more you read into it and kind of what happened, um, and I, and I'll get there. And the only, and the only reason why I remember bringing this up is because you asked, you know, well, you know, you didn't, like, live through this and see the insanity. No, but uh, not, not really. Um, but I, one yes. of the things that sticks, sticks in my head is while wow, this curfew is going on, like, I won't say there's a hopping nightlife or everything, but there is definitely life. And like I said, like, off the edge of our property, uh, you know, that's where the, that's where the curfew was. And so you could walk, I mean, I could walk out to the main, one of the main roads and, just look in as far as the eye could see it was a like a an insane ghost town and it it was just kind of weird i mean it, it, i guess if you knew the area um like businesses that are all like not I wouldn't say 24 hours a day but very close open 20 you know or right. 20 or so hours a day just shut down in black like just blackout conditions <laughs> For, for miles and miles and miles.
1: So you right. weren't there for the Chernobyl blast, but you saw the after effects, like one yes. had been depleted and like the two-headed reindeer. Yes. And what was that like?
0: So yeah, I mean, and that's, that's where, um, you know, uh, pretty much like to all of this, it's kind of been brought up over and over recently. It, it's really, it's hard it's kind of hard to explain to people like it uh, that have never gone through something like this in terms of like one day um you know just just in terms of mentality pretty much like out of nowhere like I had um several black friends that whose parents would not let them hang out with me anymore <laughs> because and- Like it pretty much the climate became like, you know, just completely divided in all the in all of the, you know, communities. And and it was one of those things where like, you know, never thought about it, never, never anything like that beforehand. And it just, you know, pretty much in the wake of the uh, riot, there was a lot of self-segregation all around.
1: Um which so, so you had never really taken notice. And then one day it was just pushed all to the forefront.
0: Yeah. Like, and, and not just pushed to the forefront. It was like, it, it was over. done aggressively. We'll put it that way. Um You know, and, and, and so when, when that goes on, it, it's hard to say you walked away from that kind of unaffected in a psychological manner. Some way, shape, or form.
1: So Uh, it increased racial tensions for everyone, and I'm guessing everyone was at each other's throats a bit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's 100%. And, and, cause what, you know, some of the problems, and this is, and this is one of those things where, uh, you know, still to this day, when, when all that stuff was going down in, um, Ferguson, uh, and, and I saw, watched a lot of video from that, and I didn't see anything anywhere near this bad, but, um, like I, at the time, I, you know, my family were trying to go to church, and at this church, they would pass around a microphone where people could discuss the issues, you know, type of thing. And it was pretty, uh, i say liberal. And yeah. all of these, these multiple groups of people were like, they're saying, "Oh, it's just the discontent, and that's why it's okay that these, you know, young guys were pulling delivery truck drivers out of their, out of their, uh, their uh, cars and just beating the shit out of them, you know, and, and stuff like that, you know, from from other races, you know, Asian and and white and and Hispanic, pretty much anybody that wasn't black."
1: Was it and, a, like a patronizing take on it? Yeah, no, I mean, pretty, like they're pretty having pretty much, a, their tantrum.
0: Yeah, yeah, pr- pretty much it was like, well, like, c- conditions are so bad for them, so it's understandable why they would take that out on whomever. And, and, uh, in years, like, and this is one of those things where, as years have gone by, like, you start reading more and more about, like, uh, what the aftermath was. What was interesting is a lot of the businesses that were looted and destroyed were, uh, Say black owned community, and, and I, I, don't, I don't even like saying that. They were owned by members of the community where they lived. Um, down there, it's an area called Over the Rhine, um, which is still predominant. I mean, it, I'll discuss that, but it was an area called Over the Rhine, and pretty much it was like after white flight had happened, there was all the Section Eight housing and 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 whatnot, um but pretty much it was kind of like white people had abandoned that area of downtown and just generations and generations of people with, you know, no very little job opportunities, et cetera. The, 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 the cliche, we'll just put it that way, um, would be the accurate way to do it or accurate way to describe it. Um, the cliched projects and everything else, you know? Um, but, uh, Basically, and this is why I mean, like, this is one of the reasons why I think in my head where I'm vehemently against religion because I've seen it used. Like there, there is a minister. His name is Damon Lynch, and he um, came into town and went into this community and said, "Well, we need to boycott business in the in this area." And again, these were members of people that that lived in that area were from that area were and were predominantly African American. So, so
1: have, he was an African uh, African American pastor. Yes sir.
0: All right. So so um basically he convinced a lot of people to do this boycott for several years and what it did was it put community owned businesses out of business. Um, which be, as far as I'm concerned, somebody, like somebody had to have either just completely didn't do his research and inspired people to destroy in some way, shape or form their act, like access to building up their own community. Um, or he was paid by some, by like a developer or something to, uh, convince people to uh, boycott and drive down the property value of and, these businesses. And what would
1: be the aim of that to, to buy the well, property or to have some competing land nearby?
0: No, to buy the property. And cause they, this is
1: basically, all right. So, so these,
0: so these race rights happen, people, you have a lot of hostility, a uh, racial hostility, uh, distrust between racial groups. um, and then this guy comes in and leaves his boycott and drives it down. Well, all it does is open up, you know, all these areas for these developers. And if you were to go down to these areas that I'm talking about right now, yeah. uh, you would, you would find that it's nothing but white suburbanites in like trendy,
1: uh, you know. So you believe there's a, like a conspiracy here of like a subversive gentrification of that area?
0: Yeah, no, I mean they're a hundred percent is.
1: So they had this planned since right after the race riots.
0: Yeah, like as far as I'm concerned, that that's so somebody just you know w- very very calculated. Let's just put it that way. But these uh, were previously can't...
1: just white, poor white businesses.
0: No, these were poor black businesses.
1: Oh, okay, like I was confused. I thought maybe like. Well, okay, so piece. let me
0: put this right. The only reason why I was, I, I phrased it very carefully is that, I, you know, these were members of the black community that I should say. And so that's what I was saying. Like, but they lived in that area. It was like a community business. You know, like the guy who had, who, who stayed, and I should say black and white in, in a lot of Jewish businesses and, and stuff like that. People that had stayed in these areas. Well, um, what was their and, issue and
1: to, with that area though? What? I'm sorry. Uh, What was their issue with that area?
0: Their issue with it?
1: Yeah, because wasn't it? You said uh, they were mostly black businesses.
0: Yeah. No. So so what? What? There was no. So basically, this this minister came in, this pastor, whatever the fuck he is, he came in and can like cunningly convinced these people that they needed to boycott the downtown businesses to show the city a lesson that you know, like this is our power type of thing. But the problem was there were a lot of black owned businesses in this area that went out of business because of, because of this boycott.
1: So it's another case of destroying your own environment to try to make a point?
0: Right. That, that's a hundred percent it. And, and there is, nobody has ever tried to hold this guy accountable. Nobody has ever said like, why did he come in? Because, and and that's and what what's so strange is he does not live here. I don't like. <laughs> I have no idea. You know where uh where how how he got involved with it. Um, you know so where does that so, guy live? Uh, let's find out. So, do well, you I think he, he was, does? He lives here now.
1: Yeah, uh, you think he was paid off?
0: Yeah, man. I like there would. Well, I guess he is a local minister. I see, he, at the time, for whatever reason, I thought he, he came from without. Um, but, uh, he, he kind of falsely led people down this. And so I, I would, you know, I, I would, it would not shock me in the least if there was something behind that because, uh, there, there would have to be. Cause like I said, you go down there now, right, So, so here was the aftermath of that. It, it took about seven years, or eight years, but um, like what did they do? They
1: replaced it with a Red Robin or what?
0: Yeah, I mean the the like you know, basically property values went down. So like then some, you would get some like upper scale like little music venues and and um. Uh, like kind of what like I'd say, like craft cocktail lounges and, and like weird stuff like that. That you know, seven eight years ago, people would be like, "Why the heck, like you would go down there for for that?" Because it was still bad. Um, essentially. So the, here's how. So pretty much, the the riots happened. These businesses went bankrupt. Uh, nobody had had really done anything to. Uh, improve relations between cops and the community. It took about seven years where, uh, it was decided there was, there was a police operation called Vortex where they pre-indicted a bunch of corners. Um, and pretty much they just arrested a shit ton of people. They, they just a hundred percent did. Um, for sketchy reasons, but the idea being if they could be pretty much just get a bunch of people off the street and make life really undesirable for like dealing drugs, committing robbery, stuff like that, that, uh, they could probably have enough time to build up the neighborhood. So what's going on? There's a, there's a dividing street called Liberty and I'll say, yeah, That's which, yeah, it, it, it's, it's pretty great. um, south of liberty has been built up into this bu- this business district where like suburbanite white people feel really comfortable coming down if you go north of liberty it, like pretty much it's not as bad as it used to be but like half of the houses are all vacant and uh it's just run down You know, kind of, kind of like the problem was, or I should say, like the solution to the problem was driving people, if they could, away or arresting them, as opposed to figure trying to figure out some other solution. And Uh, if you go down Liberty to the West, you all you all of a sudden end up in these kind of these high rise apartment building projects. It's surrounded. All, on all sides by low rise, like, you know, low rise projects that have oh. been there for forever. And there's been, and, and so like, we're, to, to explain, like, just to give this some perspective, this is only like maybe less than three quarters of a mile away from this new build up business district.
1: But these are, you know, poor people projects.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: And, and.
0: So so then you now have this dichotomy of where you have you know all of this suburban money coming to now white owned businesses in the downtown area um a a massive police presence the cost of living in those little regions you know, for an apartment or a condo or whatever is significantly higher than it used to be. I mean like five or six times higher and it is just like reinforced that it's more of the same the same old, same old in terms of keeping pretty much that, that the white people who invested the money are now the white people that come in and spend money, you know, in the area
1: what do you think was the impression black people had during this seven year period that things were getting better or I don't, what was their,
0: it, it, it's hard for it's hard for me to say. I mean, cause like the pretty much the crime rate has dropped here significantly over the, the past several years. And it's like had an uptick in violent crime recently because people are dealing more drugs like, so it's one of those. It's one of those things where um, it was like heroin's like a massive problem pretty much everywhere in the U.S. right now, you know, but but they're like it, it, you can look at it and pretty much see that I I think for a while I think things seemed like they were getting better and perhaps living in those areas if they were re- like they really did take a lot of you know kind of shady people off the street. For a long while. And, um, all, all, all I can, all I can imagine is that people were, were fed some line about how things were going to get better, probably really believed it. But like, if you were, you know, if you were to physically see this, like I said, there's that street liberty, you can turn off of liberty into this business district and for, About 50 yards, it's it it, it looks like run-down, shitty, you know, like the Needle Exchange District. And then all of a sudden, it's after 50 yards, you hit nothing but, you know, freshly painted buildings, freshly, uh, a ton of white people in an area where you just, like, you saw nobody that was white, you know? So, it's really, it's... It's crazy to me.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, that's a lot to take in.
0: Yeah, and it's like, and like, I don't have anything funny to say about that. <laughs> like, cause it's, it's like, it's really not. Like, right? and, um, you know, outside of the irony of liberty, you know, but, uh, the, um, and that's, so that was why, like, yesterday, you know, when they were, they released that video, and like you were saying, I mean, the the, we, the, the, the breakdown of that video is the, the cop walks up to him and asks him for, um, his license and the guy doesn't have it. And I think he even gave him his name and he just told, yeah, he told him who he was. And, uh, but like, you know, cops really are supposed to ask for your name and your date of birth and then they can run that. And if that doesn't match up, then you know what? Then you've falsely identified yourself to the police type of thing.
1: Yeah. I'm not sure how it works because, you know, like, he could just type it up in his picture and everything will come up. Right.
0: Right. If he really has a license, then yeah, it's a no-brainer. It takes like two seconds. So, but, so then, uh, th- this was how quick it was, and this is the reason why, man, like, that, that, that cop is just a piece of shit. Like, there's, yeah. there is nothing nice, you know? There's no justification for it. Like, even, even if you were, like, the most die-hard, <laughs> You know, cop supporter. It, it, I mean, the, he pretty much in the same breath as going, no, you need to take off your seatbelt and come out here. He didn't even make it there. He said, you just need to take off your seatbelt. It looks like the car rolls maybe like two inches and he shoots him in the head. It happened that quick. Yeah. And so he, in the,
1: he, he seemed like he, a fuck though from second one. Right. Like the first second. He was already, you know,
0: yeah. Well, and so, um, I'm gonna talk about that because they've been talking about it a lot here on the news and they've been releasing video that they're probably not doing nationally. Um, but, uh, uh, in that video, you're watching it and you're like, well, where the hell did he shoot him? The first time. Yeah. Like, where the hell did he get shot? And it was that. He, when he, he literally said, no, you need to take your seatbelt off. The car rolls like for a half a second. He shoots, he shoots him in the head in that quick second. And why the car was like sped off is because when he, he shot him in the head, killed him instantaneously and the guy slumped forward and his foot was on the accelerator.
1: Yeah. Cause I mean, from the moment you hear the revving of the engine, it's pretty mm-hmm. much over.
0: Yeah. And, um, uh, well, as it, I, so, and if you, while I see the video, there's like a lot of roll, like, shaking. Yeah. And what that is, is he, the guy, the cop, after he shot him in the head, he fell backwards on the ground. Hmm. And then that's when he tried to say, oh, he dragged me. But like, he had shot him in the head before all of
1: that. Right. And do you think they're going to be able to prove this, uh, with the video? Yeah, I mean, I,
0: pretty much what the, um, it, it's not looking good for him. It, you know, just cause of the way the legal system is, the cop will probably plea out to something. But they're, they're looking at, um, I think the charge is murder. I don't know if it's, at, it's not a premeditated murder, but just murder. Um, he, um, they're looking at 15 years to life
1: is what they want to give him. And realistically, what do you think? That's going to be like seven to nothing?
0: Well, I mean, yeah. So it really depends. Uh, he pled not guilty today and is out on bail. Um, But uh, I think realistically, having seen that video, and and he's gonna have to come in front of a quote unquote jury of his peers. Yeah. In in the you know in the downtown area where there's a good there's a good chance it's gonna be when they when it's all said and done there will be a probably a higher number of uh, black people represented on his jury. Uh, which is, I think, good, f- uh, from the s- standpoint of that guy, he shot him in the head pretty much undeserved from that video. <laughs> and, and, um.
1: So it's not looking good for him.
0: Yeah, no. And so they, the, uh, the other thing was they attached the second charge of involuntary man or voluntary manslaughter, I guess is what it's called underneath. So if, if, uh, they decide they don't want to give him a murder, you know, rap, they can give him a voluntary manslaughter or something like that. Um, basically, uh, what I think is going to happen is they're going to try to duke it out for a while and then they're probably going to reach a plea agreement on not the manslaughter charge, but I think on the murder charge, They'll tell him, we, like, we won't pursue life, but, you know, like, you're gonna have to do 25 years or 30 years or something. Cause they, the, the, I don't know if they showed the whole press conference elsewhere, but the, uh, prosecutor, I've, I have never heard a prosecutor speak as bluntly as, as, um, the guy did about the cop, or, you know, his opening statement was like, This was just like completely asinine. And, uh, he pretty much, you know, just said like, this guy wouldn't have been a cop had he, had he been in a different police district type of, type of deal. Um, so I really think the prosecutor for a variety of reasons is really going to make sure he gets a significant penalty if, if, um, if they plea out. But I, I think there's just a really good chance for conviction.
1: Do you think they went for like uh, two charges as a as a strategy?
0: Well, it is a strategy, but uh, the reason why and he discussed this. The reason why they do two two charges um, is in the event, like if you don't do two charges, it's I guess part of the the law that or the state law here, where if people are like, ah, eh, we don't think he really deserves murder.
1: Um, you have something to fall back on.
0: Right. And if you don't have that, um, in writing from the get go, uh, they can just dismiss the case. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I just, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't know, man. It'll be, to me, that's when things will get interesting because let's say if they find him not guilty, then yeah, I fully anticipate there to be a fucking massive riot here. So you um, think
1: that tension never really dispelled? No, it just line it did not. Dormant. I think, I think it
0: got put onto a, like a low simmer yeah. and it's slowly been working its way back up to
1: a medium. Yeah. And how could you not expect that considering everything else that's going on in the nation?
0: Right. And, and so that was yesterday. That's they, they shut down the campus. Um, one of my, sister's friends uh or a guy my sister is friends with his dad is a city councilman and his dad like woke him up in the morning just to say hey um you just promised me you're not going to be in he like listed these parts of town today like they like a- everybody here thought shit was gonna hit the fan
1: yesterday but can you tell me like Uh, Do you know what year the L.A. rides were?
0: Yeah, it was like 92, right? And when
1: was the O.J. thing?
0: O.J.? uh, It was like 93, 94, wasn't it?
1: Like, it seemed like what happened between then and now? Because it seemed like everything was going relatively smooth for a while. (laughs)
0: Well, so, but in, in this is, so yeah, the OJ was in 94 to 95 looks like, um, and, um, uh, yeah, dude, I, I don't know. I I don't want to say it was going smooth. I think things are easier to report on now than they were right. during that time period. Um, and like, you know, like the Mike Brown thing in Ferguson, you know, if there wasn't some sort of video and in witnesses and stuff like that, you know, it that never would have that never would have gotten past um you know, that this was just a cop who shot a guy, you know.
1: Right, because um, there's always some amount of doubt you can have if there's no definitive evidence.
0: Right. And they were even saying that that was even what the uh uh, the prosecutor here said that he was really glad that they had the the cop had the body cam on, because so, if he hadn't, you know, clearly they they saw they're they're looking into some collusion right now between three cops, the one that shot the guy and two others that were like were there on the scene. They all probably could have said he tried to drag me, and there would have been no other
1: story. And they probably would have had that conversation had there not been the body cam.
0: Oh, dude. Yeah, no, they, <laughs> they had that conversation on the body cam. Oh, yeah?
1: Cause I didn't yeah, get that like, far into the video.
0: Yeah, no, see, they, they didn't, I don't know if they have, if they've posted the whole thing. There's a 30 minute video. And this, I mean, that, that cop that shot him, he's either really stupid or he's a psychopath because he literally goes from shooting this guy in the head to not, to just being completely unemotional going, yeah, I guess he tried to drag me or something. <laughs> Like nonchalantly, like, like if you're, if you were really fearing for your life and you just murdered somebody, you wouldn't be sitting there going, yeah, I think they like uh, tried to do a little something.
1: Right. It's just, uh, yeah, I think I would side with stupid. Yeah. But you're saying that they were conspiring. Do you think they were, were they doing it like a winking sort of way?
0: They're looking into it. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, from what, from what I, what I understand is, um, what I understand is one of the cops said, yes, I witnessed that happen. And then the other one said, this is what he told me. And I'm just relaying what he told me. So the cop, the cop that said, yes, I witnessed this, even though it is not supported by the body cam. So, if yeah. that guy had a body cam and it was on there as well, things could change. But, um, what, what the uh, guy's lawyer is saying is that his client does not understand why, um, why this is happening. And what I think he's going to go for is try to prove that his client is mentally incompetent or something. And so that will be. Uh,
1: well, that, that's accurate, right. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, like it's 100% accurate, but <laughs> but clearly he was quote unquote competent enough to be a cop, which is fucking terrifying. Um Yeah, dude. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's really hard, you know. Yeah, uh
1: that dude just it just seems like he probably was never, you know, a person who was aware of the importance of that responsibility of being a police officer. And I'm not saying that to absolve him, but I'm just saying that's probably the reality of it. I mean, how long was he a cop? Do you know? Was it like a lifelong? Uh,
0: He's been, they said he was a cop for like four years, someplace else, and um, about a year on uh, UC's campus.
1: And uh, do you know how old the guy is?
0: Twenty-five.
1: See, that's really young to me.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's, it is. And, um, well, in the, what, what the big problem is, is that this guy, so, so, what's come out, you know, since is A, that, um, that I guess somebody had a video from a, co- like a, uh, October of last year with this cop where he had pulled them, he had pulled, um, a guy over for, um, having a dragging bumper and then just focused on the passenger in the car. Like, just like straight up harass the passenger. You know, it's kind of like getting pulled over for a speeding ticket and then you yeah. just immediately like zone in on the passenger and, and harass them. And, uh, pretty much, you know, they just, you know, asserted their rights until, um, until uh, a supervisor came. And the supervisor looked at the guy and was like, look, man, you just gotta write him a ticket and, and let him go. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, you're being ridiculous in so many words, you know? Um, and what was the same guy that shot somebody in the head? So I, I would have to assume that
1: it was a black person.
0: Yeah. It's two black people. And, and so I, I would have to assume that this guy has some weird fucked up Power trip fantasy where he's just the yeah. ultimate badass, you know.
1: Yeah, that, that, I mean, I bet you though, if you watched all his videos from the day, he's very different to white people than he was to that dude that he shot.
0: Oh, 100%. And that's the thing too, like, he is a, he was a campus, um, campus police officer. Their jurisdiction... I've had, you know, I went to, a school there and, I have I've had some interactions with them. They, they're like they, I don't want to say like they're te- they're really police officers technically. But they're like you know when you go to the mall or something like that and there's yeah. a security guard with a gun <laughs> that's their real function. That's really what they're supposed to be. They're supposed to be there to be a deterrent and then if anything happens on campus like a like a rape or or a uh, robbery or something like that that's that's the only time they're supposed to deal with it And so what I was really having trouble with was when I looked at the map of where this was, this guy claimed it had like he started this chase on the um, university well there once I looked at it, there's only like two or three roads that weave through the campus. this guy, was nowhere near those. So, I mean, I I think he just decided he was going to go out and fuck with some black people and then ended up killing them.
1: Wait, you're talking about the uh, the first guy or the second guy? The original riots or this new thing? Oh,
0: this new thing. This is all
1: this new thing. So he was chasing him through the guy he pulled over?
0: Well, no, he, so the guy, the the cop, I guess, said he started... So, their, their jurisdiction is literally limited to the campus, which is not, like, geographically not very huge. So, he was claiming he started the, um, he started to pull this guy over on, on the university campus. Wait, wait, wait.
1: So, this guy is a campus cop? Yes. I thought you said, like, when you said, I'm thinking he was a campus cop.
0: Oh, yeah, he was fired. So I guess he was a campus cop. But yeah, so um, I was thinking
1: like maybe he was a campus cop before and then he, you know, then he, they gave him more responsibility at some point.
0: Oh, no, no, yeah. So I guess I'll stay with is he he was just fired. So I guess he is a campus cop. He was at the time of this incident. So that makes
1: it an even bigger deal, right?
0: Yeah. Well, because basically the university is probably going to get sued. I mean, for, for letting such, you know, retards on their police force. Um, but yeah, so this makes it an even bigger deal because, like I'm saying, just thinking, just thinking about everything, like, knowing the area geographically, there would only be, you know, like I said, two to three roads where this could even have started at. And they're really out of the way in, nor, like, People that aren't college students really don't drive through them. You know?
1: Yeah.
0: And, and so, like, his claim was he started, he initiated pulling this guy over, um, uh, on the university. And it was just for not having a front license plate, which is apparently illegal, but I know, you know, offhand, a okay. ton of people that don't, don't have that and have never been pulled over for it.
1: So he was just uh passing through or loitering about or doing whatever there. Is is that correct?
0: No, like I I'm, I'm not even sure. He so pretty much like I think what the cop was saying is he saw this guy driving down the street and he decided to pull him over. But where they ended up is is a, I want to say like probably more. a mile off campus.
1: So he probably just followed him for whatever yeah. reason. Yeah. When he should have let her go.
0: Yeah. Cause it was just like, so what my understanding is from what I read in the news, at least the, um, his story basically changed three times where he, it, it was like, Oh, well, I, you know, I thought I, I thought I saw uh, the guy drinking beer and, and whatever else. Um, so I went after him. And then it went, uh, um, and then it turned into, oh, well, he didn't have a, his front license plate and he was drinking beer. And then that was downgraded to, oh, he just didn't have his front license plate.
1: No, he had like a bottle of gin, but it was like closed. It was, it was
0: closed. Yeah. So therefore it's not even an open container. And if he was like, do you know how hard it is? If, like, unless you're legitimately like chugging from that bottle of gin right as a cop <laughs> is driving by you. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like it, it is almost it is almost impossible for anybody to say they 100% for sure saw that, you know? So what what I think happened was this guy was te- this cop was technically um legally able to pull this guy over. However, it's something that like you know 99.99% of cops would never pull somebody over exclusively for that reason.
1: So what I'm hearing is that this is just a mall security guard who who went out of control. Yes. Because like when you when you see a mall security guard like how seriously do you take them? Not not seriously at all. Like they're usually like uh you know they it's like they're intimidated by you. Yeah. Right. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, and 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 what in one of the big problems is is these guys are like I said there to basically coerce, you know, being blunt about it, underage drinkers to not underage drink on campus. (laughs) Like that's really what about all their job is. And then when weird stuff happens, you know, like like I said, like a robbery or people stealing bikes or you know like the occasional uh freak sexual assault something like that. They got to um,
1: write it up. Yeah, write it up. But ba- but basically they're just there as a presence. Yeah, like
0: they they're just supposed to be like a deterrent presence.
1: I think a lot of people who pick those security type positions uh, like have issues. Oh yeah. Well,
0: in uh, in you know when you think about it in terms of that like wouldn't you want to be a police officer of like a much bigger institution that you're actually legitimately doing something really interacting with the community. So what my, what I, what I've read about this is this guy probably tried to become like a, a inner city police officer and was rejected. And then, so he just went to places that had lower standards. Um,
1: so he probably had some inadequacy and he wanted some control over someone.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's a, yeah.
1: 100%. Like, cause 100%. I remember once I almost became a security guard at, uh, Six Flags. Yeah. I lasted about three days. But, yeah, uh, dude. there was this, um, like seminar and the guy who was like the head honcho of the Six Flags town, like they, they considered it like its own city. And yeah. this guy was like, The chief of police of security guards. And the way he was talking, like during his, you know, speech, he used the term jerk off like at least six times to describe, you know, assailants or what someone's going to do if they try to drink alcohol at Six Flags. And you could just, you just got this vibe of like this dude really wants to take himself seriously.
0: Right, and he really wants he wants to get one of those big busts, you know, where uh, where where he finally gets to throw the guy who puked on the on the racer, you know.
1: Yeah, and he's telling of, these like glory stories too, but they <laughs> like were so glory fucking lame. Could
0: there possibly be at a Six Flags?
1: He's like, oh, someone brought a gun, right, in their bag. Yeah, but it was like totally not like an off-duty cop, and that was the whole story. And i but I found it
0: also, <laughs> i made I made sure
1: that but the the whole thing was like even if something did happen, like he didn't have any power, you just call the one cop that's in the whole theme park, yeah, and they take care of whatever real situation there might be,
0: right, dude, yeah man i like i I don't know i I have such like a mixed feeling or mixed feelings about uh police and everything like that because like on on the face of it like you meet i mean let, let's just be honest most people that want to become cops almost we'll say like 60 to 70 percent are really just like ex you know high school jocks and bullies <laughs> you know yeah you think so yeah I mean, I, I like pro- probably a makeup like that you know
1: well, I remember, uh, you wrote something, and, uh, you had written it for someone else, but you sent it to me, and I read it, and I really enjoyed your thoughts on it. So is that what you're gonna get into? Oh, we can. Yeah. Well, what? I, I... Do you remember <laughs> what you <laughs> said? You were basically explaining how, like, uh, parts of the police department are, like, innately corrupt.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it would, you, you would have to be, right? I mean, like, that's, that's the, the, the reality of it is – well, so the, fir- the first thing is what, what it takes to become a police officer is the Supreme Court has upheld the fact that, like, you know, your your police department can decide what factors. There's no national standard. They, like, your local police department can decide who it wants, what type of person it wants, um, you know, what, I'm sorry, what type of personality it wants, et cetera. So, there's this, there's these aptitude tests where if you score really high on them, they would say, according to this aptitude test, you're better suited to be like a lawyer, a physician, an engineer, but not a police officer. And, uh, where, how this all came about is there was a guy who sued, um, saying, I was a computer programmer, but I always wanted to be a cop. Um, Everything else was great except this aptitude test, and you're telling me I'm too smart to be a cop. How insane is that?
1: Yeah, that's very, uh, like, I mean, that's probably the root of the problem, right? Yeah. Is that I think the people who are already in charge don't want to, like, add a bunch of people that are going to challenge them. Right. They, they
0: want people that are rote enforcers. And the problem is, is it's a job where like somebody has to have the intellect to show flex in order to be, you know, an effective, an effective member, like a, a policing member in the community, you know? And, and so what you have is like this weird mixture. And this is why I was saying like, I, I, I really do believe like it's probably 60 to 70% uh, of cops are, you know, the guys that, I'll say is either they were the bullies in high school, or they were the people that got bullied in high school. In terms of like, so they they want to retain that power in some way, shape, or form, you know.
1: And is there a disparity there in between the good ones and the bad ones, or how does that work? And and
0: so I think I think you're referring to the fact that um, or referring to the thing I wrote. I believe it was about the fact that. when you refer to it as the thin blue line you know they they have this like us versus them mentality when anything happens you yeah. never you will never hear a cop on public record or I should say almost never hear a cop on public record sit there and go yes there are a bunch of cops that are pieces of shit but mm-hmm. i don't say anything because like the system is so, it's very tenuous on the fact that um, they you know, can t- they they have the type of job where like shit could hit the fan.
1: But you never hear a cop saying like, "No, this cop was wrong in what he did." You, it's like you rarely hear that. Right,
0: right. No, you you never hear that. Not it, even a single what?
1: like one one bad cop, let alone oh. like groups.
0: Right, and so I think, yeah, and so I remember this at the time. I think it was about this was about Michael Brown and Ferguson. That I was reading all of these damn like police supporters or whatever, like so the I, for me it breaks down to when people are when people say like not every cop's a bad cop. I know good cops, right? Well, a that's anecdotal. That's like you could know good people, or that they're good to you. But it may be in the con, but in the context of their work, you have no idea what they're like to begin with.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, and then what the, what the problem is, like, if you know good cops, good cops should want to weed out the bad ones immediately, right? It would serve their interest, but it never happens. Like, you would, like, you will, like, you're just like we're saying, you would never hear a cop Sit there and say, yes, like that guy was just a fucking piece of shit. Let's thank, you know, thank fucking God. Instead, it's like, we're gonna look the other way. We're gonna look the other way. We're gonna keep looking the other way. And, I mean, um, I mean, so that was one in, in what the, they, they like justify that attitude, um, across the line where they're like, well, our job is so dangerous that, that, um, and difficult that you just don't understand. We just need all the support we can get. And that line is only true up to a, to a certain point because there are tons of other dangerous jobs out there that are probably equally, if not more. And what, what one of the problems is, is that the dangerous portion of police work really largely lies on the beat cop. In the under, like, you know, in the undercover, like a vice squad, people that are kicking in doors and stuff like that, right? But what about all the cops that are detectives and sit behind desks? And, and they, they get to sit there and, and use that same line of logic where our job's just so damn dangerous, like, or, or like suburban cops and stuff like that, you know? Their job is not as dangerous as somebody that works in the inner city, so it's kind of like a line of logic that i just i i hate because uh it it goes for like a one size fits all model and it's bullshit like if you if you are a police officer in a really wealthy area right, you are not vaguely. Not even a little bit in the same level of danger that a police officer who works in a like really rundown high drug trafficking area. Yeah. But yet they would both have the same sense of entitlement.
1: Yeah. And, uh, if, and you think a lot of the good cops, they, they might be these people who are in this sort of environment where they're sort of coddled comparatively to like a city cop.
0: No, I I would say I I think there are more good cops in the city, uh, but b- percentage wise, uh, you know, I would I would guess because I mean I, I let's just put it this way I've had I've had more like reasonable experiences with inner like bigger city cops. Do you think than that has I to do with suburban cops'
1: experience? Yeah, because they um, probably get so much awful shit that. That, you know, if it's a minor problem, it's
0: refreshing yeah. them. Yeah. That's 100% that they, they over time learn to deal, like, they, they develop that filter a little bit. And I'm not saying everybody, but I'm saying that, like, if anybody has half a brain, they have to develop that, like, not every situation is gonna be a, let's draw our gun out and, and act like, and act like we're gonna, you know, bring in the big one today, you know? And out in the suburbs, I have found that to be the opposite. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I don't know, man. I mean, like, far, far more intelligent people than me have had, you know, much better commentary on, on the situation. I, I just, they, it, for me, it just breaks down to like what I said, like, not, it, like, not every cop is in the line of fire. Period. Like, that's just not true. Could it be a difficult and frustrating job? Yes, but so is being a nurse, so is being an electrician, so is you know, you know, I mean, just going down that. Um,
1: Uh, Yeah, like I remember hearing about this guy who said he was an EMT in the city for like, uh, like a like a year, and just the messed up stuff you saw. Like an average night, you're just picking up homeless dead bodies. Oh yeah and uh he brought up like seeing like a baby he was just dead in a sink, and like he i think that's just where he cut it off, like he couldn't do it anymore,
0: oh yeah, dude one of my so,
1: uh,
0: this was a long time ago this guy that lived in my uh on my uh floor at my dorm like ten years ago um he took the e m t training in high school, yeah. So when he turned 18, he was like a registered EMT. And so he would work, um, he, you know, he would do EMT stuff at the age of 18, which most people are not. And so he like, he had like a decent paying job right out, right out of school. Why he decided to go immediately to college still boggles my mind. Tertiary point. But the, um, Um, pretty much like he, he was telling me night one, they, you know, he wanted to start like immediately and they refused to let him start until, uh, the first of the month when payday was. And then like people were getting their government checks and whatever else. His first run was a stabbing yeah. and they show up and the guy literally just dies in his arms and there's just blood is everywhere.
1: Well,
0: and, yeah, and so he's like telling me this, this is an 18 year old kid, and he's like, and he goes, and I walked over to, I had to walk away, and I just puked everywhere. And what the what um the one of the drivers and the other EMTs looked at him and they said, look, either you're going to be able to pull your shit together because this was just run one, and we've got the rest of the night to go through, so we'll probably have another stabbing, we might have some shootings, we might have, you know, the whole gamut tonight, just tonight alone. You know, either you are going to get your shit together or, you know, just fucking throw in the towel right now. And, you know, they gave him like five minutes to think over and he, you know, he ended up just pulling through the night and, uh, loved it. And to me, that job is every bit as
1: hard as, uh, <laughs> you know, being a cop. And what happened? I mean, did he continue, uh, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, he's still he, a paramedic.
0: Yeah, he stayed with it and he, um, it was really dumb. He, he, uh, he went to OSU because he had, uh, like a little bit of scholarship money. Um, but he wanted to become a flight nurse, uh, and, uh, they didn't have, um, they didn't have that program there. So he was, he was like, Spinning his wheels, and then he ended up leaving and going to another university where they where they had that, and he could they he could work as a EMT part time, and basically pay for everything.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> really great story. I know.
1: So is so he's still doing it though, but I guess yeah. Part-time. I have I have not spoken to him in years,
0: so who
1: knows. Well, I think the thing uh, with police that I want to bring up with, with the real problem is, is a very obvious one, is that there's just no one there to really police them. It's the same with government. You have these positions of power where you're required to be perfect. And and I think it was just like uh, these institutions were created, you know, in response to something, not like they planned it out beforehand as an emergency strategy. But, uh, there's probably a lot of crime and, you know, issues. And then, you know, they're just doing what they can. And they're, in this, in a sense, they might be, uh, like fixing a sewer leak with the duct tape, you know.
0: Well, for me, yeah, in that, that you're, you're 100% right. And I think for me, it comes down to title. Uh, they, cops believe themselves to be members of the justice system. They're not, in my opinion, they're the members of the legal system, and there's a vast difference between justice and legality, just by definition.
1: And you and so think, think, but sorry, like these uh, institutions are so powerful and alluring to certain types of people that they probably believe the hype behind it. They probably believe the structure there actually exists. Right. That no, you know, no shitty cops are ever going to get in and. Be allowed to, you know, fuck things up and at some point they probably just buy into it. And if you don't question it and then you don't have anyone like contending against those systems of power, there's really nothing you can do. Right. Until it becomes like a, like a critical mass.
0: Well, in and, and that, that to me is the, the important thing is the, uh, internal change because the, you know, there is, It would move much quicker. It would move much quicker if if cops, you know, really spoke out and said, we really need this, 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 and this, and we really don't need people like that, you know, and just went down the line. But it never, you know, it never happens. Never.
1: So what do you propose? I'll try to think think of uh, mine. Yeah, like, I
0: don't, I mean, like, I have no real solutions. I, I think, obviously, you know, with what they were showing here, I mean, pretty much, if police had to wear body cameras, and the public could access body camera footage, yeah. like, it was, because it's public record, Um if that was allowed, then clearly the accountability would go up significantly. Yeah. And I'm not saying that's a fix all or anything like that because it's not, but you're like obviously you're going to think twice before you do something and you maybe you act in a specific way.
1: Right. Because they probably want to like, you know, fuck someone out of a ticket. You know, like, yeah. you know, when you see it, it looks so good in a movie, like it makes sense logically. That you'd want to do that.
0: Well, yeah, and I think that, you know, um, one of, one of my biggest problems, um, is, uh, man, yeah, there's so much, there's like so much depth to, to how fucked up all this is that I, I, I it's hard to pick one, but I think like one of my biggest problems is, um, that the people that ingratiate themselves with the cops they do like that power like my when we cause when you say like your husband is a or your wife is a police officer right right you're if you bring that up you're bringing that up because you're saying like my husband is a um or wife is a police officer ergo I can probably fuck you over eight ways to sunday and because the cops all Back each other up; it will never become a problem.
1: Yeah, yeah. Which it's, I, it's a click.
0: Yeah, I mean there was a there was one time my buddy and I were out at this restaurant and um we walked in it was like it was like a Sunday night at like seven, and um there the it was such it was so shitty they put us down next to this massive family table and. They're being like extraordinarily loud, and there's probably like say like 12, 13 people, maybe more. Um, but there's this, this lady is getting wasted, and my buddy just like kind of not, not terribly loudly, but loudly is like, Jesus Christ, can they like quiet down a little bit? And the fucking drunk chick goes, Fuck you, my husband's a sheriff's deputy, we can do whatever the fuck we want. And, and I've, I immediately was like, be safe driving home with all your kids. Like, fuck you, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And her husband, like, just gave me that look. Like, say it again. Like, I said it right to your face, dude. Like, <laughs> you're both drunk as shit. Well, it yeah. Like, yeah, that's, th- that's an another way. thing that I think is shitty is that, you know, in terms of covering up, like, if you or I drove drunk, we'd get the book thrown at us. Right. A cop does it, they'll come up with like a million excuses as to like why they're not going to arrest that person. Or, you know, they'll give them a ride home. <laughs> you know? Instead of filing charges. It's fucked up.
1: Yeah, and that might be ending soon if everyone's gonna have a body cam, right? Because, oh, yeah. I mean, well, you can't everyone really... has a body camera
0: and you, like, it can just be accessed.
1: By, by, uh, Upon request, or how does that work?
0: Yeah, I, I um, now I don't even think on request. I think there should be like a centralized database that within X number of days it must be public record. Because obviously, it will n- will not be immediately.
1: Uh, but I also, you know, like I don't want to be part of like a fucking like internet version of cops just because I got pulled over. Right? Are they gonna respect? you know the people's privacy as well.
0: Well, I mean, it, the problem is that no. No, I mean they they won't because like if you have an interaction with the police, there's a record of it somewhere in some way shape or form. Like it, but like if it's bad enough that, you know, you're being talked to and stuff like that, wh- whether they use your name or not, I'm not really sure there there would probably have to be some sort of simple way around it. I guess probably upon request would probably you like you probably have the better notion that if if you were just bored and bored right. and you wanted to check out um you know what happened over the weekend or something like that, you probably would have to file a formal request for that, but
1: yeah, it might get too a little like voyeuristic and people using it. For their own ends, you know, requesting um, Yeah You know, just spying on someone Whatever, yeah. and they could have